And welcome to another episode of BJ and Coffee. I'm Jim, that's Bill, and I'm not drinking coffee right now, are you? Nope, I'm new. <laughs> Gatorade. Um, actually, Costco brand Gatorade. <laughs> and um, still Gatorade. Dude, it's quarter after nine at night. I'm not drinking coffee at quarter after nine at night. <laughs> um, well, let's get the housekeeping out of the way first. You can find us on Facebook at B, uh, facebook.com slash BJ and coffee. We are um, available on most of your podcast outlets uh, for audio. You can email us at BJ and coffee at gmail.com. We're on Twitter at coffee underscore BJ, and you can find us on YouTube if you search BJ and coffee. I think I covered everything there. I think you did. <sighs> what a weekend this has been. It's been like that every weekend. That's okay. Next weekend, I, I figure you're going to get some good rants going on the next episode because uh, starting Monday, your favorite store is going to require you to wear a face mask to walk in there. Yeah, fuck them. No, science. Yeah, no. Science, Bill. It's science. The... Um, Actually, that's a good lead-in to my first story. Top health officials have changed their minds about face masks for good reasons. <laughs> First, they said we shouldn't wear face masks, and then they said we should. Now, many are saying we must wear face masks if we want to protect the economy, reopen more schools, and save tens of thousands of lives. If we all wore face coverings for the next four, six, eight, twelve weeks across the nation, so figure three months, this virus transmission would stop, said Dr. Robert Redfield, director of the Centers for Disease Control and Prevention. Um, let's see. Uh, then there's a little politics. Uh, back in February and March, health officials advised not to wear a face mask, but in the past several months, Fauci, Adams, and the CDC and World Health Organization have all agreed that wearing face masks is critical in stopping the spread of coronavirus. That's because doctors and scientists now know much more about how easily it spreads. Uh, let's see, highly contagious without mitigation efforts like stay-at-home orders. Each person with a coronavirus infects an average of two to three other people. That makes it twice as contagious as the flu. It's easy to spread, has a long incubation period, Carriers may be the most contagious in the 48 hours before they get symptoms, making it even more blind. And uh, cloth face coverings are meant to protect other people in case the wearer is unknowingly infected, but does not have symptoms. It says, uh, the CDC says everyone, quote, should wear a cloth face cover when they have to go out in public, for example, to the grocery store or to pick up other necessities. But the benefits go both ways. Your cloth face covering may protect them, their cloth face covering may protect you. If 95% of Americans wore face masks in public, it could prevent 33,000 deaths by October 1st, according to University of Washington's Institute for Health Metrics and Evaluation. Science. And I'll, I'll, I'm going to clarify, like I said before, I'm just going to say is that personally, if it was just me, I wouldn't really care as much. However, once again, what it comes down to is the reason I wear, I've been wearing one. I like going to visit my parents. I'm actually going over to visit my parents tomorrow afternoon. And I don't even want to consider how I would feel about life in general if I gave them something like that. So 
that's all I'm saying about that. But science. So as of Monday, Bill, science rules. I still ain't wearing one. <laughs> you won't get in the store. We'll see. Um, actually, legally, they don't have to allow you in. It's private property. Remember that. Your freedom of choice is equaled by their freedom of choice. If they choose that you can't come in without a face mask, you won't be going in. If you do go in, you can get arrested for trespass. Remember that. Yeah, like I said, those little stores are shut back too, so I don't care. Well, now it's getting official. Shit's getting real. Uh, let's see. What do you got? Anything good? I do. It kind of covers your story from the other day, from last week, actually. <laughs> Jeff Eps, Ep, yeah, Jeffrey Epstein's Palm Beach house vandalized. Long <laughs> but not forgotten. Nice. Jeffrey Epstein's Palm Beach date, uh, estate, where he allegedly sexually molested dozens of teenage girls lured in by money, just got vandalized with a very powerful message. Gone but not forgotten. Reads the remarks left on a front gate regarding one of Epstein's former homes. Uh, the image is in red paint, clearly intended to look like blood. The house has been tied up in legal, legalization since the charges against Epstein, Epstein were brought. Uh, as you know, Epstein died in jail awaiting trial. Authorities <laughs> say he hung himself. <laughs> okay. But a private uh, autopsy raised questions concluding it is uh, unheard of for three neck bones to break when someone hangs themselves. Pretty much. So, yep, so Jeff Epstein's house, uh, actually, Gate now has a thing that says gone but not forgotten. And since I can't get the actual picture to load up, I'll kind of show it on the screen. Gone but not forgiven. Oh, not forgiven. Yeah, sorry. Not forgiven. <laughs> I read wrong. It's been a long day today. Sorry. Oh. Yeah. Gone, but not forgiven. So I'm just waiting. I'm waiting. I'm trying to figure out what, you know, my, unfortunately I lost the Deadpool because my, my Deadpool had just laid Maxwell, like kicking it like a week and a half ago. But <laughs> I lost. We'll see who wins that one. <laughs> oh, excuse me. Ooh, what's this one? Uh, another story is cocaine coffee beans. Talk about uh, getting some energy. Yeah, Jesus. I guess so. <laughs> uh, Intersurfaced uh, by police in Italy. John Wick reference screwed smugglers. What? Say it again. John Wick reference screwed smugglers. Oh, so they, they made a John Wick reference and somebody caught it. Yes. Gotcha. Uh, these coffee beans are guaranteed to wake you up. Italian police, uh, drug smugglers who sliced hundreds of coffee beans open, stuffed them with cocaine and carefully <laughs> encased them with dark brown tape. That's fucking genius. I, I got to say, it kind of is. It's a shit ton of work, but I'm going to tell you, that's a little bit of fucking genius there. Uh, the prep might have gone away 
away with it to if it wasn't for the darn John Wick. According to police, they they became suspect of a of the package containing the coffee beans when someone noticed the name on it was Santa de An- Antonio. Oh, a, ma- a mafia a mafia boss a mafia boss villain in John Wick Chapter Two, as well as as the third film in the franchise. Yep. Franchise. The coke up the coked up beans were shipped from uh, Millennia in Colombia to the Millennium Melapesa Airport and all in all. The two uh, kilogram pack package contained 150 grams of cocaine powder uh, via about 500 beans. Damn. Package was addressed to a was addressed to a tobacco shop in Florence, and cops busted the 50-year-old man who came to collect it. <laughs> Italian police named their operating operation. Uh, I'm not even going to pronounce this because I'm going to screw up. It. It's an Italian. Yeah, uh, you watch what you do when it comes to Italian. You know exactly, <laughs> which means in. Proper coffee. And I wish I knew someone that knew Italian because I would ask him exactly what that is. Uh, well, I don't speak it, speak it, but I can read it. So, yeah. So, actually, someone who actually took a part from uh, John Wick Chapter 2 uh, decided to try to put cocaine in coffee beans. Gotta love it. <laughs> I guess anything's <laughs> possible. Well, I'm going to flip to the opposite side of that and talk about alcohol for a minute. Um, Apparently, bars in New York City have not been pushing to enforce social distancing. So, of course, King Cuomo has fucked the rest of the state along right with them and stated that if you want alcohol, you can't sell somebody alcohol unless they're buying food. And actually, we grabbed dinner tonight before I got home. And we were talking to the staff about it at a local place. And they're like, because we, they're like, do you want a drink? And we're like, I'm like, fuck yeah, I need my, I need myself a beer. And they're like, are you ordering food? Well, Doug came here for dinner. She's like, I got to put a food order in with it. I was like, so we're ordering an appetizer. So she put the app order in with it. But I was like, wow, this is a fucking joke. Seriously, a fucking joke. Um, the problem is there's actually still a number of bars locally that don't have kitchens or if they have a kitchen it's never has never been used and they don't have a health department permit to sell food so you know you basically just fucked over a bunch of small businesses again because your little pet project new york city can't follow the fucking rules it is a secondary follow-up to that i feel bad for the bars because they're trying and i mean i've been to the other day, I, I popped into uh, Now and Later over here in Tip Hill to grab some uh, beer. And they, I mean, everybody was following the rules there. The only people that were had their masks off were the ones sitting at their, their spaces. You know, there was nobody up walking around without a mask on. It was actually, it was really low-key, very following the rules. There wasn't any issues. Um, you know, it's like, it, it's getting fucking ridiculous. Um, yeah, it's it's gonna hurt a lot of small bars that don't have food. Yeah. Um, and I've gotten to an argument with this 
with somebody on Facebook when the executive order came out and they had spoke up and they said, well, it's because people in New York city, I said, I don't live in New York city. Exactly. I care about people in upstate New York. I said in the small businesses here, the small bars here are going to be hurting that don't have kitchens. Dude, they're, she, they're already putting out their, their COVID menus. And, um, most of them are dollar menus where, you know, for a buck, you get like a handful of chips, you know, and boom, you've, and actually somebody said that uh, a cup of chips doesn't qualify as food, but if you give them a little thing of salsa to go with it, now it qualifies as food. I'm yes, like, you, are actually you, fucking to, you actually have to, New York state law, actually, you have to provide something with that, with chips because it doesn't classify as their actual food. Yeah. I'm like. Wow. Are you fucking kidding me? It's fucking food. You chew it, you eat it, you swallow it. What the fuck is it not? Why is it not classified as food? You can buy it in a grocery store. It's food. There's nutritional value. Therefore, it should qualify as food. Well, women here, though, if you buy a bag of chips that are like low sodium, you know, low fat, could that be classified as food because it's technically healthy for you? Exactly, but you know, since, apparently, and, wait, hold on. And since the Democrats always want to lead to a healthy way of living, their, their, idea, food? their idea of healthy is everybody on welfare. Well, we know that, but I'm just saying. <laughs> well, that's okay because the whole another executive order was is local racetracks in New York State cannot operate, can now open and operate, but without fans in the stands. Yep. Racetracks, local racetracks like Brewerton Speedway, Fulton Speedway, Le'Veon Bailey Speedway, Oswego Speedway, uh, Can-Am, Evan Mills, the list goes on and on, okay? Those tracks cannot make it without fans in the stands. What they need to do, here's my, my two cents on the matter, is – basically stream it as a live event live stream it as a pay-per-view but they do it the, the, you know each racetrack would do it themselves where you pay for access to the pay-per-view and bam you're good to go now obviously there's there's going to be a company that provides the service you know the pay-per-view portion of the service it's probably going to take a small portion of that but well the a lot of these tracks already do that the problem is is the only ones that do that, we'll, we'll, we'll get into this, is uh, uh, dirt racing at its, at its finest uh, is actually Dirt Vision. You can actually go on their website and, and look up dirtvision.com uh, and actually subscribe to them to watch the races. The problem is with Dirt Vision is Dirt Vision only does the big dirt races. So they're not going to, they don't have the manpower or the equipment to go to every single track every single weekend for the races. Yeah. So that's, that's, that's where we're at right now. They they can't do it every week. Now it's the same thing with uh, asphalt vision because they do a lot of stuff for Oswego Speedway. You know, they try to do the bigger shows at Oswego because there's other smaller tracks that are putting on other shows and they can't be at every single track every single week because they don't have the manpower or the technology to, you know, enough of their equipment to be there every single week at all these tracks. So 
you're going to get into hurting them at the same time if you you know go through another another uh, company, you know, because yeah. they're the lead sponsors for those tracks. Well, I mean, somebody's going to figure something out at some point. Because, uh, I, I mean, that's just the nature of the beast is we'll always try to figure a way to uh, get, you know, get around it, get past it. The thing is, you can social distance at these tracks. Honestly, if they block off every other row of bleachers or seats, you know, you could social distance. It's what NASCAR's doing right now. You know, I, I just, yeah. NASCAR down in the Southern states right now are allowing fans in their stands. They're, you know, with social distancing, they got some of the, they actually got him six foot, you know, they got their bleachers marked off six feet. Yep. You know, every six foot is a section you can sit in every six foot from that. You can sit in that section, you know? So, I mean, it, it I mean, we, they do the same thing at these local tracks without a problem. Yep. You know, and, and the thing is with NASCAR is, NASCAR is 10 times bigger than what a local track's running. You know, I mean, the, the, the manpower it takes to run a NASCAR race compared to what it takes to run a local track. Well, it also means though they've got more people there to uh, set up all of that and, you know, and monitor it. Exactly. You know, a lot of the local tracks may run a fleet of maybe, maybe five guys you know, to, to get the track run. I mean, that's not counting, you know, the, the concession stands, but the concession stands could be probably numbered down at the same time yep. of employees. But, you know, I mean, if you, you bring the numbers down of the fans that can come in, you do the same thing with the concession stands. You know, you don't need as many people working, you know, as long as they're maintaining social distancing, it's fine. But, he's got to get a couple of security people to walk around and make sure everybody's following the rules. Which they, which all your tracks are, you know, they're a Swigo's Swigo security is strict anyways. There they're always walking the bleachers to make sure, you know, people are, you know, even during regular times, uh, they're watching to make sure that there's no one fighting, you know, there's no excessive drinking, you know? So, I mean, if you explain to the security at a Swigo speedway, Okay, um, that you gotta, you know, make sure people are social distancing and stuff like that. They'll do their job. Um, I, I, that's one thing I will say about Oswego Speedway security. They are dicks. <laughs> you know, they really are. I've never had to deal with them, but I've seen them deal with fucking shit. And I'll tell you right now, they they could be assholes. They really can. <clears throat> Excuse me. But I mean, it, it, it's it's ridiculous what's going on. What what New York State is putting. You know, small businesses like that, small businesses like bars, small businesses like the racetracks, you know, small businesses, period. You know, one of my friends said it the other day, told me the other day, goes, he goes, you know what it's going to come down to? They want to make them fucking broke so they go bankrupt. Yep. And guess what? We have nothing in New York State anymore. Exactly. And that's the sad part. And it's like I said last week is that, you know, it's going to push this country into an economic depression which is going to cost us upwards of 30% of our population. Whereas this virus, we're talking 1% less. Yeah. And the only thing that's keeping us here is the kids in school. Cause I'll tell you right now, we've, Lisa and I already, you know, we've already talked and we said that, you know, if it wasn't for fucking the kids being in school and, you know, our, our oldest, uh, you know, him being a senior this year coming up this, this hopefully this year, yep. uh, you know, depending on if kids get to go back to school or not, um, 
we don't want to be in New York State anymore. I hear you. You know, we're we're sick of it. We're we're tired of the bullshit. You know, and it's just it's ridiculous. It really is. On a good note on that, if we did decide to go, we're thinking about Texas because she found out that she can actually get a transfer there. Nice. Very nice. <laughs> but it it's a freaking it's a farce. It really is. What are they gonna come up with in November? Well <laughs> the um Kentucky couple who wouldn't sign self quarantine order put under house arrest. That's what it's coming to. What is it again? A Kentucky couple who would not sign self-quarantine order were put under house arrest for two weeks. Yeah, and if you actually look at New York State's uh, guidelines for all the, the states that freaking Governor Cuomo put in effect that you got to be on self-quarantine for two weeks, if you look at them, they're all Republican states. Yeah, I find that interesting, too. You're like, what are you trying to do there, Cuomo? Uh, I'm like, you're a fucking joke. Well, the woman says that um, the document asks that she check in daily with her symptoms, self-isolate, and let officials know if she has to seek hospital treatment. She said she opted not to sign because she worried about whether she would have time to contact health officials in the event of a health emergency. My part was, this is a quote, if I have to go to the ER, I have to go to the hospital. I'm not going to wait to get some approval to go. Um, yeah, the local authorities showed up at their house, put monitoring anklets on them and, uh, and their kid, and they have, they're on house arrest for two weeks. Wow. She's like, she says, we didn't rob a store. We didn't steal something. We didn't hit and run. We didn't do anything wrong. The health department is declining to comment, citing the privacy of the family. (laughs) Oh, Lordy. What the hell? There we go. Um. (laughs) <laughs> a black woman opposing the Black Lives Matter movement who was arrested Saturday for dumping paint on a BLM street mural outside Trump Tower live-streamed herself doing the same thing again at similar murals in Harlem and Brooklyn later that evening. <laughs> yes, she did it three... This was the third time she got arrested the third time and um, she goes... During her arrest, she goes, refund the police. Yep. Jesus matters. We will never support Black Lives Matter. (laughs) You know, my question here is this. Who's going to pay for her bail? Oh, she's already out. Is she? Here and stick it. (laughs) That's right. I forgot all about that. There's the no bail reform. And um, says, we're taking our country back. We're taking it back. And let me tell you something. The police need our help. They can't stand alone. Don't just sit by idly and watch your country go to the ground. Amen. 
<laughs> oh, that, that makes me feel a little bit better. <laughs> uh, let's see if there's anything interesting going on in the world. Um, let's see. Um, UK and China are starting to get into it. Um, uh, nope, 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 nothing really good going on. It's like this is, it's been boring lately because like nothing, nobody's doing anything. You know, there aren't even Florida man stories. That's what kills me. There's not even Florida man. Oh. <laughs> um, let's see. Let's try. I'm just trying to find something. Um. Nope. <laughs> it's literally all COVID, 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 COVID. Now, I was reading some interest. I got to see if I can find that. Um, oh, wait a second. Here we go. Okay. In the, let's see. In the days after police say Tyrese Hapsill killed and dismembered tech CEO Fahim Saleh, surveillance video obtained by News 4 shows he was hiding in plain sight. His hideout was in a swanky 18000 a month Airbnb on Crosby Street in NoHo, less than a mile from the crime scene. The former personal assistant is seen on video hopping out of an Uber with an overnight bag and backpack around 11 p.m. Wednesday as police continued to search for him. He yeah, emerges from the apartment two hours later, picking up a foil balloon spelling out 22 for a woman who police sources say is his girlfriend. It was her 22nd birthday. Uh, within two days, surveillance video shows U.S. Marshals and NYPD detectives leading him from the apartment in handcuffs. Uh, he's been charged with murdering Soleil, 33, in the CEO's multi-million dollar Lower East Side apartment on Monday and going back to dispose of his remains on Tuesday. He was interrupted by Soleil's cousin, who rang the doorbell to perform a welfare check on him after he hadn't seen him in 24 hours. <laughs> in court, prosecutors said there was overwhelming evidence that he murdered his former boss. The motive is believed to be financial, as Haspel is accused of stealing $90,000 from Soleil, who had actually presented him with a payment in lieu of going to police. It is unclear if any payments were made toward that debt. Wow. <laughs> um, wow. <laughs> okay, I guess this is pretty pretty nasty crime scene because they're really just not getting into it um yeah apparently you cut the guy out you know okay you embezzle some money that's one thing your boss says listen just pay me back and i won't call the cops and instead of even making an attempt to pay him back 
or trying to cut a better deal, you kill his ass. That doesn't make sense. Now you're going to fucking jail for life, minimally. But what the hell do I know? <laughs> Idiots. Oh, let's see. Um, Benjamin Netanyahu's corruption trial resumes. Um, China's ambassador to the U.S. says America must make a fundamental choice. Uh, yeah, no, sorry. I'm just trying to find something reasonably not COVID. <laughs> oh, former Syracuse Boys Club sold to developers who plan to turn it into condos. That's actually nice. Oh, yes. 430 Park Plaza, yes. Uh, they're turning the upper four floors into 20 residential condominiums. Nice. Um, ARPA LLC bought the building at 430 East Genesee Street. Um, the company's partnership to local men, one of the men spoke to blah, 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 blah. They do not want to be publicly identified yet because the project is in a very early stage. They said they hope to turn the upper four floors of the five-story building into condos with five units on each floor for a total of 20. The ground floor would remain commercial space. Architects are in the early stages of designing the condos and the developers are in process of arranging a pre-developed meeting, development, yeah, pre, God, I can't fucking talk tonight. Pre-development meeting with the city officials. Uh, developers said the condos would be upscale with one bedroom units having 1,100 square feet and two bedroom units having 13 to 1,700 square feet. Shit, that's almost as much square footage as my house has. I got 1,900 square feet. <laughs> These are some large size apartments. So, yes. Uh, I gotta sit up. Oh. Had to put my feet up for a minute. My knee was getting to bug me. But um, this building is directly across the street from Firefighters Memorial Park, also known as Fayette Park. Has no on-site parking, so they would need to park at nearby lots or garages. Ooh, excuse me. Um, let's see. Downtown has seen a surge in development of upscale apartments in recent years, but this would be its first condo project since Jefferson Clinton Commons in 08. Uh, according to the economic County Economic Development Office, it was built as the Syracuse Boys Club in 25, converted to offices decades ago, but is currently vacant. Um, Adirondack Bank took possession in March. Um, Keller Williams, da 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 um, Yeah, so cool. More... more um, more, more uh, what do we call it, gentrification of downtown. I can, get a, I can get behind that, though. I mean, I love seeing these old buildings being brought back to life. That's actually pretty cool. Um, let's see. <clears throat> Excuse me. God, sorry. My sinuses are raging today, too. But, of course, grooming cats all day will do that because I'm allergic to cats. <laughs> Uh, there we go. Well, I have a news report on, on, on 
something a little bit on NASCAR actually. Uh, Front Row Motorsports is has taken and is auctioning off Bubba Wallace's number 43 NASCAR All-Star Race Open Race uh, in Bristol's bumper. Um, as most of the NASCAR family knows, Bubba was wrecked during the uh, race to try to actually make it into the All-Star Race itself. Um, is, there, is there any rope attached to this bumper? Yeah, hold on. I'm, I'm getting there. <laughs> uh, Bubba Wallace actually took and returned the favor with his red car and put put his bumper in front of the actual Front Row Motorsports haulers. And now Front Row Motorsports is auctioning off his front bumper on eBay as of right now to go to charity to MRO Motor Racing Outreach. Um, they are a Christian organization. Um, and as of right now, there is seven days left of the bid, and the bid is up to 15400 So if you're looking for an actual piece of a race car from actually the number 43, Bubba Wallace, you can find it on there. Yeah, no. Sorry, I, I don't need to pay for memorabilia from people that lie. What's that? I don't feel the need to pay for memorabilia from people that lie. Yeah, it's, well, you know. Yeah. <laughs> well, the reason why, actually, believe it or not, the reason why Front Row Motorsports is actually auctioning it off from an and donating it to a Christian organization was because Bubba Wallace actually targeted the driver of the car that wrecked him because he was a Christian man. Oh, Jesus. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry, pun not intended, but still. <laughs> <laughs> it was an old bump and run and freaking Bubba didn't clear him and guess what happened? Bubba got the end of the deal and freaking wrecked his race car. Yeah, it happens. Um I see I, Yeah, Jesse Smollett called, he wants his noose back. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> and still yet no apology from his dumbass. No. And you know what? I guarantee by next year he won't be racing. No, no, he'll be racing. No, he won't be. I guarantee because it's it's going to keep coming up and people aren't going to forget about that because he started making accusations of people being racist and everybody's like, uh, dude, go fuck yourself. That's not us. Well, the problem, the problem is right now he actually just picked up a couple-year deal sponsorship with freaking Cash App. Yeah, we'll see how long that lasts. Well, we won't get into the whole cash app scenario right now. Yeah, well, uh, let's see. So, let's see. What's the date? So, Friday uh, was a sad day for car lovers locally, as it would have marked the opening of the Syracuse Nationals. Uh, 8,000 cars from more than 30 states come to the state fairgrounds to revel in a weekend dedicated solely to classic cars. Obviously not happening this year because of COVID-19. Uh, organizers made the decision back in June not to hold the event to ensure that out-of-town visitors had the chance to cancel reservations and get a refund. Um, the organizer, Rob O'Connor, said everybody's really disappointed, but everybody understands. The Syracuse Nationals is more than just a car show. It's an event where people get together, reminisce, and meet up. 
They haven't seen each other all year. Uh, according to Visit Syracuse, the Nationals generates 15 to 20 million for the local economy and tourism, so it's a huge financial loss too. Organizers say they have already started planning to be back up and running next year. Now, the only plus side to all of this, <laughs> we're not going to have four or five news stories this year about people that just bought a new classic car, new to them classic car, and wrecked it on the way home. <laughs> there won't be any classic car wrecks on 690 this year, folks. Sorry. <laughs> and I kind of look forward to those pictures every year. Not not for any wishing ill on anybody, just to be clear, just because it's entertaining. You know, oh, I just bought the car. I was driving it home, and I totaled it. Dude, <laughs> drive it around a little bit first so you understand how it handles, then take it home. <clears throat> but then again, that's just my opinion. Yeah, I love it when, uh, you know, I was living in Fulton, and a guy just got done restoring his classic car. Took it to the local cruising that he went to, spent the day there, came home about four o'clock, went to pull in his driveway, and the car caught on fire. <laughs> yep, 1969 Impala. Damn. I was like, what happened? He goes, I don't know, brand new carburetor. Next thing you know, there was a fire under the hood. Oh, uh, you know, there was a problem with that carburetor. Yep, I kind of felt bad for the guy. He was kind of crying. Oh, I, I'm not. I'll be honest with you. I would be too at that point because that's that's not just a car. That is a labor of love there. You know? Well, yeah, especially if you spend like 15 to 20 years trying to like restore one. You know, exactly. any any amount of time. You know, I mean, if especially if you're doing it yourself, like, it, and that's the thing. Like, I like to look at like if you've done it yourself or if it's something that you took and you had done by a professional you know yeah to me like if you do it yourself it means more to you you know but that's just my opinion trust me i would love to restore a classic car you know i can't take a group that's called pap seriously because all i can think of is pap smear anyway <laughs> what <coughs> the people's agenda for policing <laughs> Pap. <laughs> what, is, what is their goal? Um, the city of Syracuse released uh, Thursday its official response to a list of nine demands from the People's Agenda for Policing, a.k.a. Pap. I'll be referring to them as smear from here on out, uh, pushing for an overhaul of policing in Syracuse. Uh, at a public meeting on July 2nd, it was live streamed. Uh, Smear presented their demands to Syracuse Mayor Ben Walsh, Police Chief Kenton Buckner, and other city leaders. Walsh committed to providing within two weeks a timeline of how the city plans to address the following demands, as well as the city's position on each. The city's response references Walsh's June 19 executive order on Syracuse police reform. The group referred to that executive order as a start, but ultimately not enough. Um, they referred to that order and past reforms as, quote, service level and made nine demands at a nearly hour, a four hour long police reform meeting at City Hall two weeks ago. The deadline for response to those man demands was tonight. Uh, the city did not deliver in the eyes of well, the city did not deliver in the eyes of Smear. You did not meet the demand, was said over and over by speakers at a rally at City Hall this evening. Wait, when was this published? 
Thursday. Okay, so this was Thursday. Um, we are asking for radical and bold transformation. Said, no, no, I can't. The individual's name is Twiggy Billu, a member of Smear. What? <laughs> Twiggy Billu. Billu. Twiggy Million? No, Twiggy Billu. B I L U E. Who the hell came up with that name? <laughs> That's the guy, the person's name. Um, <laughs> we're looking for leaders with courage, and I don't see any leaders at that table having the courage to do anything except for maybe take the questions that were asked of them, merge it into one, and give you a whole different answer than what you requested, and then put it on a piece of paper and give it to you and decide not to show up to explain it. What kind of democracy is that? Who did we really vote? God, learn how to speak, people. Um, legislate and implement the Syracuse Right to Know Act, which the Walsh administration agreed with, uh, will be completed by January 15th, 2021. Um, the act includes self-identification of officers to civilians and obtaining and recording consent for searches. Next, we have taking additional action to revamp SPD's new use of force policy as detailed by somebody's analysis which the Walsh administration agreed with. The use of force policy will be updated by October 15th of this year, and the policy will comply with recent changes to New York state law and include any changes requested by the Syracuse community. Um, the analysis done by the Syracuse Police Accountability and Reform Coalition. Spark. Yeah, spark is the last thing you fucking need. But anyway, enhancing SPD's body camera policy. Walsh administration agreed to this demand with clarifications. Uh, the demand asked that officers turn on cameras at the beginning of shift for footage to be accessible to the public and not highly redacted and officers be prohibited from reviewing body camera footage when writing their port reports, among other changes. Clarification. Body-worn cameras are powered on at the beginning of an officer's shift, but they do not continuously record. The city will purchase and acquire 113 cameras uh, by August 28th of 2020, uh, BWC Equipment Technology will be coordinated with Axon Company and Onondaga County 911 by September 18, 2020. Officers will receive training on the use of their body-worn cameras. Each officer will be assigned a camera by October 25th, 2020, 2020, yeah, 2020. And the body-worn camera policy will be updated on October 15th of 2020. Next, we have publicized the PBA union contract as is while engaging in a community-driven and centered renegotiating process to include recommendations for discipline by the Citizens Review Board when they sustain findings of misconduct. The Walsh administration agreed to this demand with clarifications. Clarifications pertain to contract negotiations because the Walsh administration and the PBA are at, in an impasse resolution process that require arbitration. The PBA contract and related documents have been published on the Syracuse Police and Syracuse City websites. Next, pass legislation to enhance the Citizens Review Board. Um, well, we're defunding the police. No, we haven't gotten that far yet. But uh, just hang tight. We're coming to that. The Wall uh, passed legislation to enhance the Citizens Review Board. The Walsh administration said they must defer to the Common Council for this demand. The administration agreed to improve collaboration with the CRB in a June 19th executive order. 
Uh, that will be fully implemented by August 14th. Common Council President Helen Hudson said she would schedule a meeting between the Common Council and a, and a representative for Schmier. <laughs> um, next, demilitarize the Syracuse Police Department. The Walsh administration agreed with this uh, demand. Inventory of current SPD equipment will be completed by September 15th. New policies and procedures for the use of equipment will be completed and implemented by December 1st, and the Walsh administration will establish updated parameters for, for fortune, future equipment procurement by December 1st. Now, I only have, I, I want to throw a caveat into that one. Here's the thing. I spent a good portion of my life working in the ambulance business, and you get to see a lot of the behind-the-scenes shit when you do that. And I'll tell you something. While I don't think they need to be quote unquote militarized, they need to be on an equal footing with those they have to go against. And I'll tell you, people may laugh when you know you hear about gangs in Syracuse. We do have a couple of serious gangs here in Syracuse that have some serious firepower. And you know, the fact that we if we take away the ability of the Syracuse Police Department to respond in kind, then I think that's going to be damaging to the city overall. But you know what? I don't live in the damn city, so fuck them. They can go to hell. <laughs> now, here, here's yours. Redirect resources from SPD to human services. The Walsh administration agreed to this demand with some clarifications. Um. In his executive, June executive order, the Walsh administration will research strategies to shift the paradigm from primary police response to response by non-police professionals in relevant fields. <laughs> the administration will focus on SPD funding and the entire city budget when planning the 2022 fiscal year begins. The budget and finance departments will implement a participatory budgeting tool online. The administration will identify common police responses that could be changed to non-police response, such as homelessness, non-criminal mental illness, noise violations, nuisance abatement, and traffic violations. The administration will continue to assist Onondaga County in expanding crisis intervention training. The administration will look, and implement, uh, look at and implement the best practice models for alternative policing, and the administration will also continue to fund the trauma response team as well as other programs. Okay. <laughs> As somebody who, with, with my qualifications, I'm going to say this. The, the second you take a, uh, I've been to these, let's see, hold on. Let me go back here and, um, okay. Homelessness, no big deal. Yes. Farm that farm out homeless complaints to, you know, any of the, couple of dozen programs in the Syracuse area, but you have to make sure they step up and are doing their part too. Um, Non-criminal mental illness. That's a hit or miss one because I've been on calls for, you know, their mental illness calls. And I'll tell you, they can go from non-criminal, just somebody walking along, mumbling to themselves, looking lost to somebody trying to rip your fucking head off your fucking shoulders with their bare goddamn hands in about 0, 0.0 seconds. I've seen it happen, and I'm sorry, but you know what? If there wasn't cops there to, to intervene, I probably wouldn't be sitting here right now. Uh, well, so I'm calling bullshit on that one. Let's, let's look at the 
demilitarizing the police. Oh, there's still more left, more demands left too. Well, hold on. Let's 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 look at that real fast. Yeah. Let's say the money building in downtown Syracuse has a big bank heist. And you realize that there isn't that much money in the money building, right? Well, I, I don't know how much money's in there, and I could care less. It's not a bank. It's it's actually just offices. Yeah, I know, but <laughs> but let's 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 let's. Uh-huh. An active, there's an active shooter hostage situation in the money towers on one of the upper floors. There's your scenario. Go for it. Okay, there we go. So You're we welcome. need we need <laughs> we need we need SWAT to come in to handle this, but we've demilitarized the Syracuse Police Department. They're going to call in the county. <laughs> the sheriffs will be going in. Well, we'll probably demilitarize them too. Yeah, well, it'll be technical rescue going in, unarmed. <laughs> because it'll be Syracuse Fire Department's technical rescue rappelling down from the roof to go in through the windows with no arms, with no, with no um, firearms. <laughs> you are now... Our law right. enforcement, and the only thing you guys get is a Helligan bar, an axe, or a hose line. Choose you're gonna end up with a bunch of. Thing. You're gonna end up with either a a bunch of dead firefighters or b a bunch of firefighter hostages. One of the two. That's how it's gonna go. <sighs> okay. Research, draft, introduce, and pass legislation for public oversight of surveillance technologies. The Walsh administration agreed with this demand. Requested legislation includes a ban on biometric and facial recognition technologies. Okay, I, I'm okay with that. Um, it, it's hit or miss. It has its uses. I've seen both sides of this because I do have a lot of friends in the UK, and we've talked about these things before because the UK has more closed-circuit cameras per capita than any other country in the world, and they do facial recognition and a number of other things like that. So... I've seen oh, that yeah. side of it. And one thing I'll say about the UK is they got it broke down to, you know, technology to where, you know, if someone's pissing on a fucking building door, they can tell you who it was within like 12 minutes. Yeah, exactly. And, and that's what people don't like. But anyway, you know, that, that's a hit or miss one. I can let that one slide. The administration will issue a surveillance technology executive order to have any surveillance technology reviewed and approved by the Common Council prior to the procurement of a process. Okay, I guess. Um, so then we go on to their final demand, work with Syracuse City School District to remove all school resource officers and invest savings in counselors and other support staff. Now, the Walsh administration must defer to the Syracuse City School District on this demand. The school district will conduct a remote session on July or in July to discuss the topic of SROs in schools. The administration commits to meet with school officials in August to discuss the outcomes of the session and determine the next steps in creating a new safety and security model. Okay. No. Can I, can this, I make a no. reference to this? Go for it, because I got a whole stream for it. Does anybody remember fucking Sandy Hooks? Okay, I'm not even going to go that far. The when Tim, my son was in high school here in Salve, they had a school resource officer, and the school resource officer's job was to ensure the school was safe and to be there 
to work with the students to resolve issues and to basically be a positive introduction to interactions with police officers, which is what it should be. Now, the, I mean, we're granted, Salve and Syracuse are two very different schools, school districts. Well, wait, very different. Might be different. There was, there was, there was a threat of a Salve school shooting not too long ago. Well, that. It was, it was a threat. It was a threat. It, 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 done it, it, on, on social media saying he was going to go to school and shoot students. Yep. And it was dealt with quickly. And it was dealt with quickly. Now, if a cop wasn't in the school, you think it got, would have got done that quickly? No. But here's the other thing is it also allows the, the resource officers to get to know the students at least some of them, um, and present a positive face of policing to these young people so they can learn it's not all bad. Um, you know, and, and the thing is, if you remove SROs, you are setting this, you are setting the stage to even further alienate police officers and the community when the opposite is, is the exact opposite is what's desperately needed right now. We need police officers in the community that know the community, that interact with the community and not just Syracuse, but everywhere. So that, you know, the community understands they're there to help. And <laughs> until you can do that. And, and the first step of that is getting to know these kids when they're in school. So they know, Oh yeah. Officer. So-and-so he's a good dude. You know, Oh man. You know, like, my buddy wants me to do something I know I shouldn't. I got to talk to officer so-and-so to find out what I should do. That's what they're there for, you know, but what the fuck do I know? You know, seriously. And yeah, that, that's what Syracuse is up to. I'll tell you, it makes me gladder than ever that. Almost... Well, the teachers union, the teacher, union. I, I got a, a buddy that I work with. Uh, one of the guys I work with actually, I mean, him and I became pretty good buddies. And, uh, you know, we were, we were talking the other day about this, actually, and uh, his his wife's a teacher. Um, she's like, I think, I think she said third or fourth grade. Yep. And the teacher's union is trying to get the actual resource officers actually removed, too, from the schools, um, from what his wife has told us. Yeah, well. And she's against it um, herself because of the exact same reasons. It's, um, it's the thing. Everybody's like, oh, cops got, you know, actually, though, here's the thing. I, I can say this comfortably because I don't have any horse in this race because my kid's out of school. My two nieces are not in school. Uh, on the wife's side, we've got, you know, a nephew in school. And I was like, that worries me. But here's the thing. They're going to pull the resource officers out of school. They're going to scale back the police. And this city's going to go to shit. And they're going to be like, all these people that are crying, defund the police. You'll be like, where the fuck's my cop? I called the cop. Where the fuck they, this is where the fuck they at, motherfucker. You had them defunded. Yeah, it comes down to it where 911 is literally going to be a freaking, when a police officer is available, we will try to send them out to you. We have police officers available from 8 a.m. to 4 p.m., Monday through Thursday, from 8 a.m. to 2 p.m. on Friday, and no one is available on Saturday and Sunday. 
<laughs> please call back during regular business hours. If you're trying, if you're trying to report a murder, please press one. <laughs> please press one and leave a voicemail, and we'll be in touch with you as soon as possible. <laughs> well, on a on a on a police, since we're on the police kick right now. Joe Biden's campaign staffer mocked cops as worse than pigs. Called for defunding police. Yep. So for all of you motherfuckers that are thinking about voting for Biden, best hope you don't ever need to call yeah, listen the cops because you're not going to get them. Listen to the story real fast. A supervising video producer for Joe Biden's presidential campaign tweeted a meme in June that urged people to stop calling the police pigs, not only because unlike the police, Pigs are highly intelligent and empathy and empathetic animals who would never racially profile you. A videographic uh, graphicer, Sarah Pearl, also retweeted a, a user's comment that while pigs are sweet, intelligent, and compassionate, police officers are monsters who don't deserve to be called pigs. <sighs> On June 1st, Pearl tweeted simply, hashtag defund police. Days later, she said Buffalo's police department should be defunded immediately. And after several Dallas police officers were killed in 2016 by a sniper who wanted to kill white white people, Pearl uh, dinged the National Rifle Association for tweeting its condolences in that case, but not for prior shootings. Of course, they responded to the officers, but not to the previous shootings. The Biden campaign did not reply to Fox News requested for comments, although the campaign confirmed it received the request for comments. Fox News also reached out to Pearl for comments. Pearl did not reply, but she deleted all of those tweets shortly afterwards. Yeah, well, screenshots are forever, bitch. Screenshots are forever. Exactly. The lack <coughs> of response from Biden's team surprised surprise conversations. The Trump campaign released a, released a Friday statement saying, now Biden's employees, a staffer who uses the, the most vile, inflammatory, and incredible language to, lar- to target the brave men and women who risk their lives, who risk their own lives to keep us safe. Exactly. How can, how can Joe Biden look, into, look in the faces of grieving law enforcement families who loved ones died in the line of duty, said Paul. Or said Bob Padachik, uh, a Trump campaign advisor. Never in history has a major party campaign so angrily franned in flames of hatred against our national heroes. Joe Biden can't stand up, up to his supporters or staff who are calling to defund the police. Scary. Well, yeah, he forgets about it. That's the problem. It, you know... People think about this before you when you vote this year in November. Because I'm telling you, this Joe Biden, he's off his fucking rocker. Okay, are you are you for defunding the police? You personally? No. Okay. Now I'm pro blue. Okay, and that is despite the fact that you had a bullshit arrest. I told you. I I talked to that cop afterwards. Exactly, and this is the point I'm making though, is that. Even though you had a bad experience with our local police, you still support them because we we both know what they what it is they do. 
you know, and, and that's the point I'm making there is that, you know, <laughs> it was a bullshit charge that was dreadful. Let's let, let's let's narrow it down real fast, Jim. Yep. It was a bullshit charge that was drummed up by the Democratic Party. Yep. All to shut me up because I was calling out their BS. Yep. See, that's all it was. I um, I I will admit to I got to knock on wood, being surprised that I haven't had more issues because I'm more than happy to call them out and. We'll be calling them out again this week because they're already acting up again. But I'm going to say this. I interact with our local police on a pretty regular basis. Uh, I see them pretty much daily uh, when they're going for lunch or breakfast. Um, I talk to them on a regular basis. I actually see them when I'm here at the house on a semi-regular basis because there's a gentleman across the street that constantly acts out and has them called and I'm not saying any more on that subject because that's not my business to talk about. But, you know, I, I get a chance to talk to them. They're just normal everyday people that want to make a difference in their community and, you know, doing, doing what they can to make things better. And it, like, it just, it just, I can't imagine a world where someone's, you know, okay, let's say the crazy guy across the street is comes out and just starts going nuts on somebody with a baseball bat. <laughs> okay. Let, let's just, we're not going to get into that. Come on. I can't you imagine. Know, earlier. We, we, I dealt with that too. Come on. Come I know, but, but imagine you you walk out, you, you hear something, you walk outside and see this and there's no police to respond. You know, think about it. everybody needs to think about that for a minute there's nobody to respond to help that person getting beat the fuck up now me personally i've got enough training i use that word very loosely because it's not police training by any stretch of the imagination but i've got enough i would probably you know take my my fat ass over there and interfere but 99 percent of people aren't going to do that because they don't have the skills ability or wherewithal to do so which is not a bad thing because they're not cops that's what police are for. They're there to take care of the community and keep it safe. Okay, well, well I'm, I'm going to go back to this, this first part of what Cyril, the Sarah uh, Pearl actually said. Pigs are sweet, intelligent, and compassionate. Well, yeah, I'll give them that. Well, they are. So guess what? I'm going to apologize for right now to every single officer that I know. Hey, guess what? Everyone that I know, you guys are pigs. <laughs> and you're making a valid point they are awesome people i mean is there bad apples here and there yes i will never deny that, that, that there are bad but that's every fucking profession out there how often do we hear about people embezzling oh shit that personal assistant i was talking about that was hiding out in plain sight in new york city killed his fucking boss after stealing ninety thousand from him there's bad apples in every profession every fucking profession doctors nurses uh, first responders, um, executives, accountants, um, hairstylists, groomers, everything. There's always going to be bad apples. That's just human fucking nature. So, um, so I, I apologize to every single police officer, man or woman, who watches our podcast or listens to us for calling you guys a pigs. But I'm calling you guys a pigs because, hey, you guys are sweet, intelligent, and compassionate. Exactly. <laughs> um. So guess what, Sarah Pearl? Screw you. Exactly. Well, well, 
we are at our good time to wrap this up here. And I think we're on a positive note now. So uh, huge thank you and shout out to all of our law enforcement officers who are there doing the job the way that it's supposed to be done. You are appreciated. Please don't ever forget that. Um, and for everybody else, don't forget, you have the potential to be awesome. Don't ever forget that. Sometimes you just got to take a little good look at your life and figure out what needs to be changed in order to just achieve that potential. But when you take that, that first step and start, you know, keep on walking in that direction, you will achieve amazing things. And we have faith in you. So go ahead and do it. So thank you guys for listening. We appreciate it. We will be back next week and we will talk to you then. Have a great one. Hashtag support the blue line. Anything else you want to say, Bill, before I hit end? Nope, just that this time. Okay. Ah, that was for our police. <laughs> Catch you all next week, folks. Have a good one.